This is Dylan. This is Nick. And you're listening to Hello and welcome to Colloquium. Here we are on a Friday night once again. I think it's not three in a row Friday nights. We went over this last time, but the third podcast in a row that we're doing on a Friday. Oh, I is that, that right? right? Okay. Right. I think you said the same thing last time too. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. All right. We could just be rerunning re- re- this. That's a classic. Maybe we can just repeat our conversation from, from last time. Yeah, maybe fun. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about lying. <laughs> oh wait, no, that was last time. Mobby. Um anyway, tonight uh we are going to talk about something. Yes, we are. What are we gonna talk about? We're gonna talk about the transcendentals. What's a transcendental? Wait, you're gonna make me <laughs> I just wanted to jump right into it. Okay. Well, I, I just loved the funny moment before we started recording where you're like, hey, should we define? So the three transcendentals are truth, goodness, beauty. And like, should we define these? I was like, no, nah, I think they're pretty self-explanatory. And, and Nikki looked at me and he said, okay, what's beauty? And I said, uh, uh <laughs> you know, it's yeah. that thing. <laughs> it's Beautiful. That thing. Yeah, beauty. <laughs> Everyone knows beauty. I mean, what? Are you, why are you even asking me that, Nick? <laughs> Right, it's but, you know in the eye, in the eye of the beholder, or yeah, something like that. I think that's actually not true. That's maybe right. We'll talk about that. Okay. Is, it, is beauty in the eye of the beholder? But I mean, what are the transcendentals? It's it's a really interesting thing. <laughs> it's it's abstract, so it's harder to find. But the three transcendentals are truth, goodness, and beauty. I think that's where you have to start because I think the definitions can get abstract. So maybe just starting with. Truth, goodness, beauty. Like we have a basic understanding of what those are. Um, I guess part of the the reason for this, um, well, I love the three transcendentals. I love contemplating them. I think we're made to contemplate them. But I, I also recently did a a journal entry. Um, that probably sounds weird without context. Um, I do journal entry. I give journal entries to my students, uh, the freshman theology students that I have, and we did one. All right, I kind of explained the transcendentals, what they are, truth, goodness, and beauty. And I said, which one speaks to you the most? And they had to write like a four to five sentence journal reflection on it. And usually after they write their journal reflection, we'll have a conversation about it. The conversation that ensued was was really, really enlightening and really interesting. Um, it was really cool to see the ways in which they encountered truth, goodness, and beauty and, and saw these things as actually leading them to, to God even. Um so I think that's kind of the basis of this conversation and, and where I want to go with this. Um, but I think we do have to start with kind of defining it a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I think these um, truth, beauty, and goodness conversations have been really frequent ever since the quote-unquote new evangelization began. Whenever it began, it seems like those are our buzzwords and um, in the in the new evangelization and kind of how they play yeah. into evangelizing, especially those who have kind of uh, moved away from God completely. So maybe yeah. we'll talk about that a little as well. And that might be true, but at the same time, these are ancient, ancient concepts. Right. I mean, these are things that Plato and Aristotle and the ancient philosophers were were talking about and contemplating and writing about. So it's kind of one of those, it's it's new, but it's a recovery of something very old and ancient and yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and it's good. What, yeah. Oh, that's right. Is it true? Yeah. I, I suppose. I suppose so. No, I su- right. yeah, I suppose you maybe can't... Uh, have one without the other two so maybe that's something for a um, yeah for discussion as well but yeah 
So let's jump in. I think we had a few different definitions, um, so maybe we'll go through a few of them. Um, Maybe let's start with the simplest. Sure. I just want to start with the simplest just to simplify it for us. But the three transcendentals, and this is something I made this up, so this is credit to Dylan Jedlovic. Three transcendentals are things, things, that's always a good way to define a word. Things (laughs) are things that transcend our earthly experience. And draw us out of ourselves towards God. So I use that word transcend, right? I think I think the root word transcend there is very telling. Like it transcends our day-to-day experience. When we encounter truth, goodness, and beauty, it draws us out of ourselves into something else. And I mean, for a Christian, that is God, right? Um, but I think for just your general human person, the human experience, like we maybe don't know what that is. But truth, there's something that truth, goodness, and beauty, that encountering them does to us that kind of draws us out of ourselves. Yeah, it tends to, I think, I, I like the word awakens is what comes to mind. It kind of awakens us to a uh, um, to reality as it is, yeah, yeah. at least as it should be. Yeah, yeah, and maybe even like a reality outside of the material world. Right. Because um, I think all the definition we had, you know, uh, one says a transcendental refers to something that exists beyond the time, space, matter world. Yeah. Um, a universal, universal reality that extends beyond our everyday sensory experiences. Um, they're cosmic values that communicate divine meaning. Cosmic values that divine, communicate divine meaning. I think all these ca- things kind of indicate something immaterial. Right. Right. Not something physical. Sure. Yeah, I, um, my definition in particular was uh, God's expression of him, himself to humanity. That was kind of my made-up definition alongside Dylan. So um, it's pretty lame. Yeah, at the end of this, we're going to do a, a, a crowd vote to see which one you like better. We've got to figure out how to do a crowd vote before you make promises. Yeah, like that. That, was a, that was a joke. Oh, oh dang, okay. is that a lie? <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, kind of my, my explanation there, I think, is um, when one discovers something that's true god is there and when one comes across something that's good god is present there and Mm. same thing with beauty when someone discovers something beautiful or comes across something beautiful god is present there so that was kind of my my reasoning behind um why i said it's god's expression of himself to humanity it seems like he's found in in truth goodness and beauty he is truth goodness yeah Yeah. no and for you know, the ancient philosophers who thought about this too, that, that was exactly how they thought about it, right? You know, in, in a kind of, like the perspective of Plato's philosophy, it's, you know, things contain goodness, truth, and beauty. You know, a, a sunset, set, un- sunset, a uh, bleh. Uh, huh? A sunset. <laughs> a sunset is what I was trying to say. A sunset might be beautiful, but it's not perfect beauty. It's not beauty itself. It contains beauty, right? Hmm. Things are good, but they're not 100% good, right? Um, but God himself is full. He is truth, goodness, and beauty. He so is, everything else yeah. contains or, or participates in truth, oh, goodness, yeah. and beauty. But God is the fullness of truth, goodness, and beauty. So that was true even for these pagan philosophers. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That blows my mind because I am... Um, when I come across something that's like extremely beautiful, such as something I've read or a painting or whatever, like that's a really, um, I love that experience. So to think about how right. just all of those encounters together, you know, still don't encompass 
beauty itself, you know, the experience right. of seeing that. Well, yeah. and I think that's exactly what we need to realize because I think I think the the human experience is is always wrestling with idolatry, right? Wrestling mm-hmm. with idolatry, right? We see something that's good, true, right. beautiful, and we stop there. Yeah. We worship it. We say, this is it. Yeah. You know? But the reality is, I think, especially for a Christian, for somebody pursuing a relationship with God, you have to realize, no, that is a gift from God. It's meant to show you an aspect of who God is. That's right. Yeah. But the fullness of that is found in God. Yeah, that's right. Wow. I think of my mind, in my mind, it's like a puzzle and, you know, um, you stop when the puzzle is like, you know, one third finished and you admire it. You know, it's like, oh, wow, this is incredible, you know, but the realization that the the fullness of the puzzle hasn't been completed yet. Right. So that would be my image. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like these things are meant to be contemplated, truth, goodness, and beauty. Right. And this is, I, I'm reading a book, um, by Dr. Stephen Turley. Um, it's called a classical guide to truth, goodness, and beauty. Hmm. And one of the reasons I'm reading it is I'm rediscovering kind of, well, I have a love for the classical model of education as you and I have talked about before. Um, and fully describing what that means is not a part of this conversation, I think. But one of the premises, actually, truth, goodness, and beauty are a core aspect of what it means to be a classical education. One of the central goals to it is to help students learn to discover and contemplate truth, goodness, and beauty. And that holds true in every subject, right? Why should we fall in love with math or philosophy or theology or science or English, right? But to contemplate truth, goodness, and beauty. When we, when we love something, studying something, right? It's, it's because we've fallen in love with, with contemplating some aspect of truth, goodness, or beauty. And I think that's what it means to, to I think, have a healthy uh, approach to education. Amen. I think it's a beautiful approach. Oh, is it oh true? I didn't even mean to say that. <laughs> Dang. We're probably going to do that a lot. I got to be, be honest, careful. I do. Yeah. In all fairness, I use the word beautiful a lot, maybe overly so. So forgive That's me. True. You call me beautiful quite often. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Let's That's get this back true. on right now. That's not true. I don't think you've really ever called me beautiful. I just for the not. record. <laughs> I certainly hope not. What are you saying? Because it ain't true, boy. All right, fine. Oh, oh, it ain't true. Did it again, did it again. <laughs> that was a good one. Ah, all right. Oh, wow. Yikes. Yikes. Oh, man. This is dwindling. People either really love us or really hate us right now. I don't know which. <laughs> they turned it off. Let's be honest. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. If you're telling the truth, they're not. Okay. All right. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Um, but the question at the heart of this, and this is the question, I think, of the journal entry that I had for my students. I know. I said, I think. I know that was the question I asked them. But. Uh, which one speaks to you the most? And I think that's a question that we should all ask ourselves. I love asking people this. Which one of the three transcendentals do you kind of identify with the most? Meaning is the most powerful for you. Truth, goodness, or beauty? Yeah. Um, I I said, well, so never mind. I won't go into what I said on the, on the document. But anyway. <laughs> you said, yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. Parentheses, beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. And by the way, I was not surprised. I think when I filled out like the notes for you, I said Nick. I think I said like probably. Oh yeah, question mark. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was pretty predictable. Yeah, because I'm beautiful. No, no but uh, 
Yeah, I think beauty does um, appeal the most to me. I think just, especially in my recent life and, you know, looking back on moments where I just, like, um, have had some, like, really intense encounters with the Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. They've been through moments of, yeah, just experiencing something beautiful, such as, um, yeah, just being overwhelmed by a, like, a beautiful scene in a movie. Or um, I know uh, just in recent memory, uh, Dostoevsky, the book books by him, mm-hmm. novels by him, and the things he writes and the scenes that he creates in his novels um, have just really moved me. Are extraordinarily beautiful, and they, they help me encounter the Lord. So yeah. and they they move me, they inspire me to be uh, to be more faithful, to be a a, a more authentic Christian. So yeah, um, yeah, I think beauty is uh, my my favorite at least. Yeah, um, of the of the transcendentals at least right now in my life. Yeah, I think I think I have to say the same for myself. Um, I I think I've always been very drawn to beauty uh, for whatever reason. I've had people before, and I say that I've had people be surprised. Um, they think that truth, for whatever reason, is mine, and I don't know if that's because I'm like very academic, but like, and I'm logical, but I just don't. That's definitely the weakest for me. Like, goodness is maybe a close second to beauty. Um, truth is powerful, but it just doesn't move me like beauty and goodness does. Right. Um, but we'll get in more into truth. Do you want to start with beauty? Maybe talking about beauty since we both said that or. Yeah, sure. That sounds great. Um, yeah. So beauty, did we have a definition? We did have a, we had a very simple definition yes. for that, which I love. Yes. Yeah. Even though I couldn't come up with it when you asked me okay. on the spot, but That's you right. came up with something that you borrowed. Um, yeah. This is from a great... little known theologian. Right. <laughs> this is the great Thomas Aquinas himself. Um, here it is, everyone. Um, hold on to your seats. That which pleases when seen, um, from mm. Thomas Aquinas. That which mm. pleases when seen. Um, that which pleases when seen. Yeah, very simple definition. Um, I think that we can agree with. Now, I do have um, a a sort of hang up with that though, because you know there's this classic phrase in our uh, relativist society that it's in the eye of the beholder. Mm. You know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Whatever yep. it is, yep. you know. Um, yeah. Dang, I did that. Or there's well. like the meme where it's like beauty is in the eye of the beeholder, and it's a guy like a beekeeper holding bees, <laughs> I and seen it points that. to his eye. It's oh like the beeholders. <laughs> I've not seen that. Yeah. Anyway, so Thomas Aquinas's version, while while correct, I think leaves leaves that problem open. You know that oh, which yeah. pleases when seen. You yeah. know. Um, yeah. So. Um. I don't know. What, do you have any initial thoughts on what I've suggested there? Any thoughts yeah. on his definition? I think it's a good definition. Um, I think it captures. I think while it's not, I mean, we can't stop there. I think it. I think it captures the essence of what beauty is. Right? What is the experience of beauty? It's well, I guess it's not just visual. Maybe that's where it's limited as well. Yeah, it's not just about seeing things, but it's about beholding. Yeah, and seeing is one aspect of like beholding something. I think we can assume that's what he means. Yeah, and I think pleases is even there a limited word. So I guess my instinct was to say it's a good definition, but the more I think about it, I think it's limited. So I will say that maybe Aquinas is coming from. Maybe we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's coming from the standpoint of like a um, in a morally upright person. It pleases a morally upright person when mm-hmm. that person sees it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so sure. he assumes some sort of virtue or right. goodness from uh, from the person that's beholding whatever whatever yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I think that makes sense, and I'm sure in the Summa he elaborates more on it. And if we did more homework, we probably would have read that entire 
Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think this this experience of beauty, it's you know you encounter something. And again, I think this is something something profound about the transcendentals and why kind of my initial instinct was like, let's not define them, right? It's I think it's more defined through just an experience. It's something you kind of know mm. intuitively, right? If you can't describe it, you know, it's like encountering a beautiful sunset or going on a beautiful hike. Like you just know. Right. Um, you know, I have an example. I, I, and I told this story, I've told this story a lot recently, but, um, I was coaching baseball the other day. I might've told you this, but I was coaching baseball and I was, I was teaching my kids something. And all of a sudden one of them staring off into the distance and it was about sunset. I'm like, what are you, what are you looking at? Like I'm right here. <laughs> and he says, coach, it's just a, a beautiful sunset. And he's like dead serious. And like, I turned around and looked. I was like, "Wow, it is!" And we all just kind of stopped and just beheld the sunset for a moment. Hmm. I mean, these are thirteen-year-old kids, like yeah. beholding the sunset. You know, like, but there's just an experience there of like, "Wow, we just encountered something beautiful." Right. And we're gonna pause and kind of take it in. Right. And you yeah. almost can't. You almost can't put that into words. Right. Yeah, there's something very. Um, um, just, I guess, non-upfront about beauty, you know? Um, it seems as though, um, you know, in our, maybe we'll get to this later on, but our, our quest to evangelize, especially people who are, you know, atheistic or agnostic, um, it seems as though trying to um, to put the truth in front of their eyes, you know, in front of their ears is, um, yeah, just seems to be a very hard way to get in. Very People are very closed off to that, to know logical arguments and you know sharing truth verbally or whatever it is but it seems as though beauty is a very um backdoor like way to um yeah to allow the lord uh, to enter in yeah um it just seems like it, it usually a lot of times it comes as a surprise that just when mm. someone has their mm. guard i know my personally my my most profound encounters with beauty have been when i wasn't expecting it and just a moment right. where i just had my shield down and right. i you know was just happened to come across something that was beautiful, you know, so. Right, yeah, um, I kind of think of, you know, and I don't want to get too philosophical, but beauty corresponds to, like, if we were to line up, like, our faculties, intellect, will, desires, beauty would line up with, like, our desires. It's like an emotional, Yeah. it's a more emotional experience, I think, than, than truth, than goodness, and definitely than truth. Um, goodness, I think, can be emotional as well, but yeah. beauty really, I think, captures our emotions and in fact when we think of like um you know beauty of like the human person like that really encaptures yeah. our emotions and probably one of the most powerful ways that our emotions can be can be drawn and it's it, it, there's something about it that sometimes you know when when you can't get through to the intellect or the will like leading with beauty like leading with and even like sometimes spiritual experiences for people like or conversions for people, like they, they happen with a lot of emotion, right? they they start with that emotion. The emotion can't sustain a spiritual life, but sometimes that's what draws somebody in. Right. And right. then it's eventually supplemented with something deeper, but a lot of times that's a great starting place to wake people up. I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I, um, I heard this recently from, um, a talk by, uh, Dr. Barbara Nicolosi. She's actually a, like a pretty, um, I think well-known Christian, um, 
uh, movie director and yeah. filmmaker. Yeah, I think you I, showed me a talk yeah, from her. I think I showed once. a talk. It was very good. Yeah. yeah, she she said something really amazing uh, in a talk the other day um, that I was listening to um, about about the sunset in particular, mm-hmm. uh, which is I'm glad you brought that up. You know mm-hmm. about how someone two people can see the same sunset and you know in, in its beauty, and one can go, "Gosh, I need to get my life together," mm-hmm. and then someone else can go, "Gosh." I need to propose to my girlfriend. Hmm. So there's like, there's something very like, um, experiencing beauty or, or, you know, in this sense, in this sense, God, um, you know, kind of leads to, um, God's will. I mean, it, leads, hmm. it seems wow. like, it seems like yeah. the same experience for two different people, right. um, speaks in different ways. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to get out here, yeah. but you kind of, you kind of see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, I think that's, pow- that's powerful. It kind of doesn't immediately, I was kind of like, huh, is that really what people think when they see a sunset? Yeah. But no, I think there is an absolute reality to that where you encounter something, but it hits you and it's objective. You're seeing the same thing, but it hits you in a way that's relevant to your life. Yeah. I think that, I think that example is so powerful for me because it really speaks to the fact that well, God is in beauty. I mean, God speaks. Um, he's expressing himself through that sunset. He's really speaking yeah. to to each individual person uniquely when they experience him at that sunset. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, how do you think we, I mean, this is kind of, I think, the question where we want to go next. is like, how do you, how do we come to know God through beauty? How do you think that happens? Yeah, great question. Um, I think ultimately when we experience something that's, I don't know if we want to go down this road, but objectively beautiful. When we experience something that's objectively beautiful. I think we, we'll come back to objectivity more at the end. Okay. But if you want to go there, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I've, I think we both believe that beauty is objective since we believe that mm-hmm. God is is beauty in some sense. Yeah. Um, then, I mean, when you're seeing something that's beautiful, you're seeing God. You're seeing yeah. something of, of what God, quote unquote, looks like um, mm-hmm. in his... Um, a piece of the God puzzle, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I think maybe, maybe we just have to go to the objectivity. Um, but like, we'll see if it gets there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yes. <laughs> my, <laughs> my thought, like my experience of how do we come to know God through beauty? And I know paintings, like, you know, art is a lot of this for you. Um, I encountered it a lot through the liturgy. Um, most recently at the Easter vigil, um, this past weekend, you know, it's, we're in the Friday of the octave of Easter recording this and it, uh, she really moved me. It's just something, something about the, the beauty of the liturgy, which is rooted in truth and rooted in goodness that just moves me for whatever reason. Again, that's why I think beauty is, is such the, sh- the strongest one for me. Cause sometimes I can't explain what it is about it, but I just am moved, you know, it's. Same thing with a really powerful song, um, a really beautiful movie, a really beautiful work of art. It just moves you. And and I think like, you know, with, with art in particular, it's like this is a beautiful creation and so it must have a creator. And I feel drawn to want to get to know the creator more. Right. Yeah, there's something about experiencing, experiencing something beautiful too that uh, there's always this like um, – aha that's it kind of like a Mm -hmm. kind of an experience you know Mm -hmm. like this is this is it like this is 
this is what I was made for, or this is what I, um, I desire, or um, this is what I was wired to experience, you know, that kind of a thing. There's mm-hmm. like a, um, um, right. whenever yeah. you experience something beautiful, yeah. there's like, I'm imagining the sound of like a seatbelt clicking, you know, it's like a very yeah. satisfying, like, aha, this is where I'm yeah. supposed to be. Well, so I think of more, so what I'm picturing in my head right now, as you say that is yeah. like somebody on the beach, like opening up a beer or a soda uh-huh. and just like watching the sunset and just saying, ah, this is the life. Right. You know, like immersed in nature, like this is just, there's something beautiful about that experience. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. How does that lead them to God though? I don't know. <laughs> That's Dylan's beautiful experience there. Yeah. Hey, I like the beach and sunsets. Beer, apparently. Beer. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that though. Yeah, there's like a um um a moment of uh this is where I'm I don't know, yeah, this is the best way I can describe it. This is where I'm meant to be, this is what I'm made yeah. for, this is what I'm meant to be ex- right. to experience. Yeah, but it it draws you into like this is like what I meant. Again, there's some like purpose for it, right? It right. draws you into purpose. And purpose, if it's objective, right, comes from a creator, comes from right. somebody who designed that purpose. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. Great. So I think beauty's felt. Maybe we'll come back to the objective yeah. question. Okay. But because we got to talk about the other two, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's three of them. Let's do believe it. Believe it or not. <laughs> okay. Um, let's, let's touch on truth real quick. You're trying to do a definition. Truth. Uh, what is truth? Ah, yes. Oh, that's what is it? funny. Quid veritas est. Well done. Pilot, good yeah. Latin. Anyway. Good Latin, Nick. Anyway, go ahead. So what is truth? That's the question that Pontius Pilate famously asked to Jesus um, in the Passion Narratives. Um, really profound. It's like it always strikes me how like kind of out of nowhere he asked such like a profound question. It's very poetic too, isn't it? It's like, yeah. wow, that's going to go down in history no matter right. what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody should write that down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is truth? Um but the definition we had here, and this is from our good friend Webster. Ah, uh, Miriam. Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it always, like, I always actually honestly kind of hate it when people cite, like, according to the dictionary, it's like, wow, you didn't know what that, like, you had to use a dictionary definition. <laughs> Don't we all? Like, whatever. Go ahead. Uh, truth is the property of being in accord with fact or reality. I don't think you can say it much better than our friend Miriam. <laughs> is Miriam a girl? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Miriam Webster. Uh, right. Well, um, but yeah, the, the property of being in accord with fact or reality. But I think maybe like to to make this hit home a little more, like I think we talked about briefly, like the experience of like somebody says something, and you just say, "Yeah, wow, that's so true. So true. That's true." <laughs> like I think that's the experience of true. Like I want, I want. Right. Just understands. Like it's just there's when you encounter it, it just it does something to you. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah, there's the story. Um so I, I did a, a bit of discernment with the Carmelites uh, a couple years ago, as you know, and uh mm-hmm. uh Edith Stein was a uh, a member yeah. of the the Discalced Carmelites that Saint I was Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. That's right, yeah. Um is now a saint, of course. Um there's a story that goes around about her um, in the Discounts Carmelites, that uh, when she uh, got done reading, or she read the entire uh, Gospel of John, or what, so one of the Gospels, mm-hmm. um, she read through the whole thing, and when she got done, she exclaimed, 
this is true. Mm. Um, wow. like this kind of yeah. dramatic that's, moment. That's or, powerful. Or like when she yeah. was having her conversion moment. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, um, I think it's important to understand too that the definition that Miriam gave us here of uh, of truth that it's basically that which expresses reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, and so when we we talk about God is truth, you know, God is mm-hmm. reality itself. He's the the basis for understanding all of reality. You know, yeah. and so when Edith Stein had that experience of reading scriptures, you know, that's that's God's word. Um, she yeah. was experiencing reality, um, the the truth about who we are and uh, the world and and God really. So yeah, yeah. I think I think one of the things that really shocked me about uh, when I was asking this question in particular to my students was how many of them actually said that truth was their most, um, the one that spoke to them the most? Because um, again, it's not my strongest. And I kind of, I feel like we live in such a relativistic culture right? that kind of wants to say that, oh, well, truth is in the eye of the beholders. I, I don't know what to say. The right. truth is relative, right? Right. And uh, it... <laughs> It kind of struck me that they they were talking about how they just have this profound like when they realize something's true that it it moves them like it's powerful yeah like that experience of Edith Stein you're talking about like it's just this realization yeah that this is true and if this is true it affects everything right it affects your whole life um, and I think maybe the relativistic culture we live in makes it harder to appreciate truth because if truth is just true for me and your truth is true for you it's less cosmic. It's less universal. Yeah. It's, it's just less grandiose. It's not as big of a deal. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. It, um, um, you know, we wouldn't, uh, have a colloquium podcast without a mention of word on fire and Bishop Barron. So we'll do that <sighs> really in, in a second. But, <laughs> you know, I think in our, um, I think particularly the way this plays out kind of in our Southern culture here in Alabama, um, it's a little different in Huntsville, but roll tie. I think there's, I think there's something like, uh, I once heard that there's something like 500 different churches in Huntsville. Um, the oh, different, wow. or maybe, maybe really? different denominations. Yeah. Like wow. it's, it's wild. That's, that would be so wild. It's, it's something wild like that. Yeah. Anyway, is that so, true? I, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> See what I did there? who knows? Anyway, there's a lot is kind of the, the gist of that. And um, kind of the way this plays out, I think, in, in Huntsville and in the Southern culture as well is, like, you know, we have one Protestant church that has a nuanced belief and another Protestant church that has a nuanced belief and so on and so forth. And it becomes this thing where it's like, yeah, you can go to that church. Yeah, you can go there. Yeah, you can go there. And mm-hmm. it's it's just very relativistic, and even yeah. in the Christian community. You know, it's like, You're yeah, right, you yeah. Can, um, yeah, that's a route to heaven, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, I read something the other day in one of the, the Word on Fire Institute journals mm-hmm. that we so love. Um, I think Andrew Pettiprin was the guy that, that quote that said it. But he said, um, Catholicism is is not just another another way or another truth among many, but rather it's the basis for understanding all of reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, understanding, right. knowing Catholicism and the truths of the Catholic faith is the ba- is the truth it's the basis right. for understanding reality it's not it's not a you know a sector of you know um or you know just a way or a type of truth it is the truth it's it's reality yeah. i think that's a fantastic point it makes me think of the uh vatican II document i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation nostra Aetate, i think okay it's it's the the document on the church's relation to other religions in the mm-hmm. modern world and it's kind of controversial. Some people think it like went too far in validating other religions. Um, but the reality is it says just what you did. Like the Catholic Church is the fullness of the truth. 
other religions contain parts of that, right? You know, those those parts are good. Those, right. those are good things. Yeah, they're good and they're true. Like they contain right. truths in them, but they're not the fullness of the truth. Um, so it's it's it. I think it's very validating of other faiths, but it's validating of what's true in them, not of what's false. Right. Um, in fact, it it is intentional about explicitly condemning things that are false. But I think it's it's that idea of recognizing the truth. Um. And, and the objectivity of that and, like, the fullness, like, yeah, sure, you can taste it in other places. But to taste its fullness, there there is one path, right? Right. Yeah, it seems like truth is truth is so difficult, isn't it? This is maybe the most difficult one, I think, in our culture. I, I don't know if you'd agree with that. The most difficult one to kind of yeah, get people absolutely. to come to yeah. agree upon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I have a math background, right? And, uh, um, you know, it's very... Um, easy to translate that in math mm, yeah. you know it's just like okay mm-hmm. um two plus two is four yeah. and you know so right. on and so forth has a very structured kind of truth that that's right. what that's what's true about well, that's that. even like foundationally our understanding of truth like right when people joke it's like oh well next you're gonna tell me two plus two doesn't equal four right, right. that's it's, our that's what we how we know truth yeah that's know? exactly right yeah and so you know if you're trying to explain to someone that doesn't know that two plus two equals four that's a great thing like you need to do that. You need to inform that person. You know mm-hmm. that, that that that's what's true. Yeah. Um. But it seems as though it's like a very, for some reason, we can't in our culture we can't come to terms with, like, that can be the case right. in spiritual realities also. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I've been um, thinking about that a lot lately. Like distinction between like, I think we live in a culture that accepts anything that's empirically proven. Right. But no other form of knowledge, if it's not empiri- if it's not proven with the scientific method, it's it's nothing. Right. I think in our culture, and that flies in the face of centuries of wisdom. Right. You know, like that line of thinking. And I'm not saying everybody you know has that mindset, but I think we are as a culture we're prone to that. Right. That that says that any like with practical wisdom, relationship advice. Um, advice on resolving conflicts or overcoming adversity like that's not wisdom that's not true right it's just the realm of subjectivity that's right you know i think that really is is a sad way to live and it undercuts this this whole idea of of the truth as a transcendental as a cosmic value yeah you know this is a kind of an aside but um i think when i when someone asked me like what's the best class i took in college I'm not going to commit to that that question, but to the, yeah. an answer to that question. But yeah. definitely one of the ones that's absolutely in the conversation is just introductory logic. Mm, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it taught me how to think and how to make logical arguments. And one one of the things that I learned in logic was if you make a statement, a factual statement, it's either true or not true. Mm. Um, it can't be both. That's just mm-hmm. not proper logic. Um, yeah. If you make a statement, um, like. The grass is green, as an example. Um, that's either true yeah. or not. There's nothing in between. Um, yeah. It can't be both. Um, so, and just translating that too, that I mean, that that's taught me a ton. Just that that simple thing about um, how to think in terms of spiritual realities. Yeah. Also, if someone says Jesus is God, that's either true or it's not. Yeah, you know, it's it, it can't be both. Um, you yeah. Know, so anyway. Um, I think I'm kind of guilty of that sometimes. My my brother PJ and I joke a lot about this phrase that we use a lot, in a sense, 
Like, yeah. oh yeah, that's true in a sense. Like yeah, it's this way you. of like validating <laughs> what somebody said, even if you don't think it's true. Like, yeah. yeah, in a sense that's true. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm with you, yeah. Like, um, so I think I think I can be prone to that as well. But yeah, yeah I think that's such a good point. I think logic is yeah. I think we should be teaching logic in high schools and middle schools. Like Yeah. It's, I think it's invaluable. So overlooked. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so basically I didn't know how to think until college is what I'm saying, I guess. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I think that's the experience of a lot of people, yeah. yeah. We think we know how to think, but we don't. Well, so that isn't, so that's a, another quick aside. Like, that's an obvious thing that anyone on the street would be able to uh, to understand, you know, like just intuitively. Yeah. But the, acting that way the, is a different a statement, thing. The, the factual statements yeah. either true or false. Yeah. Right, but acting that way seems to be this different, different thing. Um, yeah. we, we don't. We don't yeah. correlate our, uh, maybe our yeah. goodness with our with our right. our beliefs or whatever. Yeah, it is. and I think we live in a complex world, and I think this is where the temptation comes for me. Is like I recognize that the world is complex, reality is complex, the truth is sometimes complicated, and it's easy to kind of give up, and be like, oh yeah, it's it's true in a sense, you know, right? Um, but I think that can be a little bit lazy in terms of actually coming to understand and yeah. know and contemplate the truth. That's right. Hmm. So, Great yeah, point. again, don't stop at it. Keep going. Yeah. Um, keep going to contemplate truth, to discover the fullness of the truth. Great. Okay. Goodness. Goodness. Is my Johnny, turn? be good. Yeah, go for it. All right. Um, so I found this just briefly on this uh, Newman Society website um, as I was doing some internet browsing. Um, Newman, good other, guy. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting definition of goodness. Um, it's that which fulfills the purpose of something or someone. Mm. Um, that which fulfills the purpose of something or someone. Um, and I think just to preface this with um, believing that God orders things toward the good, um, all things toward the good, all people mm-hmm. toward the good, um, um, you know, if it fulfills its purpose, it's by virtue a a good purpose. That right. makes sense. Yeah. I think yeah. that the problem with that definition, I think it's a good starting point as well. Yeah. Um, but the problem with that definition for me is that it doesn't tell us what the purpose is. Um, I think it leaves sure. that kind of question unanswered for me. Um, well, so let me, yeah, let me interject. And I think, I think, okay. think different things. Well, people have in a sense, <laughs> the same purpose, right? But things have different purposes. Depends on the thing. Oh yeah, yeah. But well, uh, I think there's a beauty. No, no. Uh, yeah, that was in th- partially intentional. Um, there's a beauty in goodness in that. I think there is an objective good and a subjective good. Now okay. bear with me. Like, yeah, we all have the same objective end, right? To, I mean, to use Catholic terminology, to be saints, right? Right. Um, to. Uh, be in communion with God, full communion with God. But that looks profoundly different for people in different Mm -hmm. vocations. You know, so like to be good is to accomplish that end. Yeah. But to accomplish that end in a way that only you can. That's great. Yeah. So I think there, there is a beauty in that, that kind of balance, that dichotomy there. That's a great point. Yeah. A good Dylan as a good person is different than Nick as a good person. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know a good person when you see one right. at the same time. That's like, right. It's not just like you're good and I'm good and, you know, that I love guy that. over there is good. And even though he's a bad person, he's good, you know. I love that. That's so freeing, too. You know what? I think I overuse the word good in that context. Mm. 
honestly that's what i was thinking about when you said that is like mm. when i when people say like yeah he's a good person i think that's like used very generically a lot of right. times yeah it's like nice or they don't usually do bad things yeah. or um something like that but, but i think that should be like a compliment of high praise like, yeah you say that should be a good person like that should be preserved yeah. yeah yeah i'm with you that's very interesting I, I love that definition of a good person is one who's fulfilling the purpose for which he was created um yeah. like yeah good dylan is you know whatever let's say you end up that's your calling is to become a teacher and to get married and yeah. have kids um you're already a teacher but to stay right. being yeah, a teacher yeah, yeah. Um, and then get married. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and like Dil- so Dylan's a, you know, one witnesses Dil- you know, you being a good teacher and serving your, your wife and your kids well. And yeah, wow. That's yeah, Dylan. That's like, he's, he's good. Um, but someone else who's supposed to be a priest or yeah. a nun or, um, just has a totally different kind of lifestyle right. there. That's their, you know, good. Or yeah. 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 No, I think that's incredible and that's, it's really beautiful and good and true. And, uh, I think, I think what I, what I want to drive home, I guess this experience of goodness though, is I think of like, you know, people watch like videos of like, um, you know, like somebody helping a homeless man or like giving a homeless man a hundred dollars. And then he like bursts into tears because it was such a random act of kindness or like, um, right. you know, people watch videos like soldiers coming home and hugging their wife and people just like tear up and get all emotional because yeah. it reveals this, like, this just this goodness, right? This goodness that human beings are capable of, right? That we don't always do, right? We're so broken. We're so fallen. We aren't always as good as we should be. And so when we do see goodness, when we encounter goodness, especially in the human person, it just, just moves us. Yeah, that's true. And that's a perfect example of a thing a way in which really all human beings are are supposed to act, you know, are supposed to to behave, and so goodness looks this should look um, uh, similar in certain actions, right? Yeah. Like serving the poor or uh, being kind or loving to your neighbor. Right. Um, those are those are um, um, basic kind of functions of a, a quote unquote mm. good person. Yeah, and I think. I think we can't um, over well, we can, but we probably shouldn't over sentimentalize good right. either. Right. Because I think to be truly good requires discipline and virtue. Right? Amen. Practicing doing the right thing when it's hard. You know, goodness would be the, the transcendental that corresponds to our will. Right. Yeah. We have to choose to do what's good even when it's, uh, even when it's not easy, when it's not fun, when it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Um, so beauty corresponds to our desires. Good correspond to our will. I don't think we said it, but truth would correspond to the intellect. Right. I think obviously, right. yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So goodness. Do you, do you have an experience of like goodness or how how you think goodness leads you to God? Yeah. Let me see here if I can think of something. Um. I I think this is a powerful a powerful uh, transcendental for evangelization in particular. Maybe not. Um. Not as powerful as beauty. I don't know. It could be mm-hmm. in certain instances, but um. I can't think of an example right now. But I know I. I have been moved before particular examples yeah. of someone, um, yeah, just reaching out in a simple way yeah. to someone on the street or, um, you know, just, uh, uh mother Teresa is the example that yeah. comes to mind, you know, yeah. someone who just is just like you're wide eyed because yeah. of uh, how she gave herself and goodness uh, throughout right. her life, you know? So, yeah, um, I think, I think goodness, I'm a sucker for goodness. You know, I, I think in, 
of just a lot of examples in my life. Like I'm the guy who like cries at those videos where people are really kind, but like I knew it. I experienced this recently. I put under goodness, how do we come to know the goodness of God? I put baseball. Because I think baseball reveals the goodness of God. Mm. But hey, it's a joke, but it's also serious. Like yeah. there's something about baseball and sports in general that I think reveal something about goodness. I think beauty mm. as well. We've yeah. had conversations with about sports and beauty yeah. that I think have been really fascinating but yeah goodness like i guess my experience of this like you see somebody overcome adversity in sports or you see somebody yeah you see good sportsmanship right it just kind of moves you i have this experience where i so i'm uh, we're both coaches and i had experience you were at this game okay so the game nick you were watching uh the one baseball game you've seen me coach yeah um and we came back and won 14 to 13. Like we were crazy game. We like yeah. lost the lead and then we came back and won on a walk-off hit. After that game, I went to you, you do the post-game pep talk and I went to go talk and I just like I was emotional. Like I was tearing up. I was just like seeing them overcome that adversity to me was just really powerful. Yeah. And the same thing happened tonight. We lost a nail biter. We lost a game in extra innings by one run. But I was just proud of them. They came back from a six-run deficit. Like, they yeah. looked really bad at the beginning, came back, fought back. Like, just seeing them fight for that, seeing them work as a team, it just it just moved me. Yeah, I agree. That is so I'm, – I'm with you as a coach. I'm glad you thought of that. It's such a um, – yeah, it's such an easy translation to real life, isn't it? Just the determination and the grid mm-hmm. and um, – yeah. yeah, the willingness to come together and do something difficult for each other, you know, and um, – Wow, that's so translatable to life, and uh, it is so beautiful when I when I see uh, the players right. come together and do something like that. Yeah, they have no yeah. idea what they've done. Yeah, you know what I mean. But they, um, I anyway, think sports, it's so yeah, sports in general tend to really reveal goodness, but also beauty. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I know we've had some really interesting conversations about like the beauty of like a, I don't know, like a crossover in basketball, yeah. or like a beautiful dunk. Like there's something yeah. like there's actually something beautiful in sports. I the, think, too. Listen, the James Harden. Um, step back three is just absolutely gorgeous. You like James yeah. Harden or not? I mean, it's oh yeah. my, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just so fascinating. I think, I, and I challenge you guys to think about that. Like, how how do you see beautiful and how do you see beauty in sports? Because yeah. I think I think it's really it's really striking. Like, yeah, how just how how much of an impact and something is. I think sometimes sports get trivialized as like, oh, it's you know, it's just entertainment. Right. It's just nothing good there. We just are overly obsessed with it but like i think there's good reason why there's a are. reason and man yeah we're, we're, it's high time we do this uh podcast on sports one day yeah. soon here so there we go yeah Let's that'd see. be great we yeah. talk about the transcendentals in sports yeah that'd be great. Another, another topic though but yeah. i think where we have to close i think the the last topic and oh gosh maybe we don't have time but we can touch on it briefly maybe the transcendentals are they objective yes all right, we're good. There we go. That was no, good. No, but okay. I think it's important to talk a little bit more about because yeah. I think our answer is yes. Society's answer is not yes for right. the most part. And I think sometimes I'm tempted. I think obviously for like a Christian, it's easy to be like, oh, well, of course truth is objective, right? You know. Um, well, so we had a com- we had that conversation. Like there's a lot of Christians that. I think yes that. yes okay but I, I guess what i want to say is truth is maybe one of the is easier okay. than something like beauty right right right. i think beauty is an easy one yeah. to believe and i think for a while i think I, I think i still struggle with the idea of beauty as being objective but i've had some recent 
experience in recent contemplations that have really, I think, kind of convinced me a little bit. I'm becoming more convinced that beauty is objective. Um, and I think it it comes down to just like our our in a, our ability to be drawn to things that aren't good, hmm. that aren't truly beautiful. You know, yeah. I mean, I think pornography is like the the biggest distortion of beauty. Yeah. Right? You're one of the most prominent ones, right? And I think it's it's easy to see from a bird's eye view that it's it's a distortion of of beauty, right? right? Um, it's not truly beautiful. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. I I do believe that beauty is objective, and uh, you know, and there's a certain sense in which it has to be because God is beauty, you know. Right, so yeah. so it has to be yeah. has to be objective, um, in in some sense. <laughs> no, in a sense. In no, a sense. But, um, but all right, Bishop Barron again, number two. So he's always using yeah, the example when he talks about this beauty. Yeah. yeah, and he he uses great examples, right? Like so, um. He mentions the absurdity of the fact that if someone comes into the Sistine Chapel, as an example, yeah, and says, "Yeah, just not a fan," you know, right? Yeah, um, just the absurdity of that, like, says no one. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that yeah. that is an objective, um, that has objective value, yeah, uh, for any beholder, um, you know that that right. kind of experience. Yeah, so, and I think I see that a little bit in my life too, of like things that. I maybe when I was younger did not think were that beautiful or wasn't really drawn to, yeah. but I, looking back, I should have, yeah. like I, I, it was a good thing that I learned to appreciate it because there was something objectively there about it. Yeah. And you know, um, again, I, I want to reiterate too, if someone doesn't experience an objectively beautiful thing, um, and as beautiful, um, I think maybe we're too quick to say that beauty's not objective instead of, um, maybe the. Uh, beholder has become desensitized to what's beautiful. Um, maybe it's the beholder issue. It's an issue with the beholder who hasn't, you know, been formed towards the Lord right. enough to experience that right. beautiful thing. Um, right. You know, so I, and I know for a fact, like, you know, if over and over, you know, let's say someone is kind of an intense example, but let's say someone who's like um, has a, a really bad um, sex addiction, let's say, mm-hmm. um, can't experience the beauty of sex in a healthy relationship immediately because they become desensitized to that that beautiful act you yeah. know so it's a similar thing uh someone views something beautiful you know like if they become desensitized yeah. to it they can't experience yeah. it in its fullness yeah and i think i think we can see that development over time of like of change in our desires right we learn to desire things that are better for us right we learn to desire right. things that are truly good things that are truly beautiful over time. You know, the, right. the classic example is like learning to eat healthy, right? Once you practice it, once you get good at it or exercising, like you learn to desire to exercise and eat healthy. Right. Um, so our desires can change to be more in align with what is objectively good. Yeah. What is objectively beautiful. What is objectively true. I think I had a profound realization in this. Maybe it's a little bit of a tangent, but. I was I was thinking about it. I just pulled up some notes I made recently. It was at um right after Holy Thursday Mass. It was another example of like encountering a beautiful liturgy and just having a profound impact. And I tried to explain like what it was and I was contemplating beauth, beauty beauth, beauty beauty and youth. truth and goodness. <laughs> and I had this revelation about intentions, about about our intentions. So I think for the longest time I believed that like 
good intentions. Like that was all that mattered. Like if you have good intentions, then like you're doing the right thing. And I had some experience in my life that really I think called out that idea of where I had good intentions, but I was really hurting people with those good intentions. And so what I, but what I've come to realize over time is like good intentions aren't enough. You know, we have three actions of like a true morally good action. Maybe this is getting more into goodness than beauty, but like it has to have good objects, good intention, good circumstances, right? So good intentions are not enough. Um, There has to be an objectivity to it. And so I think when we think of the transcendentals, I think it's similar to that idea of like good intentions not being enough. Like a feeling isn't enough. Like thinking something is beautiful is not enough. Thinking something is like good is not enough because it might not be good. Hmm. You know, we can we can be, have distorted desires, distorted intentions even. So I don't know if that may, it, it kind of connected for me in a intangible way, I guess, but yeah. This is a difficult topic. I think it's yeah. I think it's been a great conversation honestly just to help us grow in this a little more because yeah. um you know, and truth, goodness and beauty, honestly, they um and rightfully so, they should. They kind of mesh together. You notice um several times we like um, accident, right. like accidentally would say like, that's true or good or right. beauty, beautiful, like yeah. accidentally in conversation. Mm-hmm. But in all reality, that's not accidental. Like these, these go together and they flow together. Right. Yeah. Well, like God is, is that in which truth, goodness, and beauty are one, Yeah, you know, and they're found in their fullness and they're one. So I, I, I think that's ultimately what I'm trying to get at is that these three have to go together. Right. Um, and I think we experience them often in a way that, that they go together. Roll Tide. All right. I think we're, we're this is one of our longer ones. I think nice. Don't get over it. out of time, but um, a good conversation. Probably could have been three podcasts, one on yeah. each transcendental, but you <laughs> got it all in one. Congrats. Congrats, listeners. But that's all for now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't like that? Yeah, you don't like that ending? I'm sorry. <laughs> so for our listeners we had a little technical difficulty there we, the recording cut out and we tried to cut back in exactly where we left out and nick just started laughing at me we've had some serious banter in this podcast i've kind of liked it did we yeah, yeah. i love the banter man this is great <laughs> all right well colloquium show at gmail.com that's how you get in touch with us we're hoping to have a new logo soon so uh yeah. keep an eye out for that big um, thanks for making some to, big money here yeah, Trying lots to invest of money. It. We're uh, <laughs> we're making we're getting rich off this podcast. We are, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, we're gonna have Justin Bieber on true. the show next week. Did you know that? What? No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although, yeah, never mind. We, this is Let's time for more banter. Okay. Um, all right. Email us if you have any questions. Keep listening. We love you. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Amen. <laughs>